Shalom. Welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Avraham Fisher. And this week's parasha is Titzaveh. It is a continuation in many respects of uh, last week's parasha Terumah. It's a continuation of the instructions for how to build the Mishkan. Uh, for the most part, uh, the focus of Titzaveh is not on the, the construction of the Mishkan itself, but rather what is necessary in order for the Mishkan to function. Uh, I will explain as, uh, as we continue. The uh, very first part of the parasha talks about the oil uh, for lighting the menorah. So that's necessary for the menorah to function as a menorah. We're told that this oil is to be clear olive oil and that the Kohen lights it uh, every day. Next, the uh, Torah focuses on the garments that are worn by the Kohanim. Uh, the Kohanim need to wear the appropriate garments uh, when they serve in the Mishkan, in the sanctuary, uh, in order for uh, them to actually function as Kohanim. And we are first told uh, that Moshe is to separate Aharon and his sons. That will be the family uh, that will serve as the Kohanim. And then further, that talented people, people who have been imbued by God with uh, the various talents that are necessary uh, to make the garments uh, out of a mixture of fibers, as the Torah uh, describes. Uh, the first uh, garments that are discussed are the garments of the Kohen Gadol, uh, who in this case is Aharon, but it will also be true of subsequent generations of uh, Kohanim Gedolim, the high priest. And the Kohen Gadol has eight, uh, eight garments, as we will, uh, as we will see. The first one that is listed is called the Ephod. Uh, the best way to think of the Ephod is to think of it as a, a kind of a half cape, uh, with uh, shoulder straps and a belt to hold it in place. It is made of a mixture of fibers, uh, and uh, on the uh, on the two stones that are on the shoulders of the Kohen Gadol, uh, which serves as kind of fasteners, uh, on those two stones are engraved the names of the twelve tribes of Israel, six on each one. Uh, part of the ephod, or the gold settings, and the uh, and the chains that will connect the ephod to the uh, to the rest. The second garment of the Kohen, Gadol, is known as the Choshen. Uh, it's usually called breastplate, but that's a bit of a misnomer because it's not a plate. It's actually uh, made of mixed fibers. It's a garment. It's folded over, and on the part that uh, faces outwards, there are four rows of, uh, of a total of 12 precious stones, uh, engraved, once again, of course, with the names of the 12 tribes. 
and each stone is placed in a gold setting. And the uh, the Choshen uh, is attached to the ephod at the top and at the bottom with rings and cords. They're not uh, they're not connected in an inseparable way. Uh, they are uh, they're connected, but there is a specific mitzvah not to separate them. They have to be kept uh, together. The with the choshen right up against the uh, the ephod or connected to the ephod. Inside this folded pocket, which is the uh, choshen, are placed uh, the urim v'tumim. Now the Torah never says explicitly what urim v'tumim are. Um, they seem to be something placed into the uh, the pocket uh, that is created by folding over the Hoshen. Uh, and whatever the Urim Betumim uh, were, uh, it was through the Urim Betumim that the Kohen could inquire, could ask questions uh, of Hashem, and through the Urim Betumim, the uh, answer would come by uh, illuminating the stones or the letters of the stones on the Choshen. And the letters that would uh, illuminate would be the letters of the answer. Because it would be necessary for the letters to be uh, unscrambled correctly. Uh, that is the Choshen, the second of the eight garments of the Kohen Gadol. The third garment is called the Me'il, which is a kind of a robe. It is blue. It is placed uh, under the ephod. Uh, it has a, a woven opening for the head, uh, for the Kohen Gadol to place his head through it. And uh, it is woven in such a way that uh, the opening is not uh, uh, will not tear. Uh, but more than that, we have a specific mitzvah not to tear it. Indeed, not to tear any of the garments, but specifically the uh, the me'il. And then all around the uh, hem of the me'il are a series of gold bells and pomegranates which will make noise as the Kohen Gadol will enter the uh, the holy uh, area. We'll talk more about that uh, at the end. The fourth garment that is uh, unique to the Kohen Gadol is a golden head plate called the tzitz. It uh, has engraved on it the words Kodesh Lashem, Holy to Hashem, and it has a thread of blue with which the Kohen Gadol attaches it, um, and uh, it serves as a form of atonement uh, for uh, for certain kinds of uh, sins. Now those four garments, the ephod, the me'il, the uh, tzitz, and the Choshen, those four are unique to the Kohen Gadol. But the Kohen Gadol also has another four garments um, that are very similar to the garments that are worn by the regular Kohanim. Uh, that is a tunic, a turban, and a sash. There are some differences between them. Um, a tunic, like a long shirt, uh, a turban, uh, on the, on the head, and a sash that goes around the waist uh, and serves as a kind of uh, belt. Uh, so that would bring us up to seven garments of the Kohen Gadol, four which are unique to him, 
and so forth. Three, there'll be another one uh, that are uh, similar to, although not identical to, the kind the kind that are worn by the other Kohanim. The Torah then talks about the four garments that are worn by other Kohanim. Uh, they also have a linen tunic. They have a sash. They have a hat. It's a little different from the turban of the Kohen Gadol. And they also have pants made of linen. And the pants are the, uh, the garment that basically the Kohen Gadol and the uh, other Kohanim have uh, very much in common. So for the regular Kohen, that would be garment number four. And for the Kohen Gadol, that would be garment number eight. The Torah then talks at great length about the process of consecrating the uh, Kohanim. Uh, because that is going to happen. They're going to be initiated into the uh, Avodah, the service in the, uh, in the Mishkan. Uh, the Torah talks about the sacrifices that are brought. Um, there's a bull, uh, two rams, and, and matzot. Uh, the instructions are that all of the Kohanim are to uh, immerse. Um, and then Moshe is instructed to clothe and anoint first Aharon as the Kohen Gadol, uh, then to clothe the other Kohanim, and then to offer the sacrifices. Uh, the bull is a sin offering, one ram is a burnt offering, the other ram is a peace offering, especially for the uh, investiture. Uh, the Kohanim will eat the ram and the matzot, and anything that is left over is to be burned. And this process is to take place for a period of seven days. Uh, we'll, we'll read about how that was actually done uh, in the book of Vayikra. Uh, the Torah then uh, turns to the functioning of the Mishkan uh, in a daily sense, namely that every single day a korban is uh, to be offered. It's known as the Korban Tamid. Uh, it is brought both in the uh, morning and in the evening. Uh, it's a sheep. It's brought morning and evening. And it's brought as a burnt offering. Uh, in addition, uh, there is a grain offering of flour mixed with oil. And with each, uh, there is to be wine offered, uh, poured on the altar, and Hashem will commune with the people from the Mishkan. This is talked about here, uh, partially because uh, this is the way the, the Mishkan is going to function, but also part of the uh, concentra- consecration of the Kohanim uh, will include the offering of the daily sacrifice. The uh, very last part of the uh, of the parasha uh, returns to the uh, construction of the Mishkan by talking about one uh, part of the Mishkan uh, that has not been mentioned yet, and that is uh, the incense altar. It's an altar of gold. Uh, it's, a, it's actually shittim wood overlaid with gold, and it has uh, rings and poles. It's placed in the holy place, in the same area where the Shulchan and the Menorah are placed. And um, 
it is um, it is for the offering of incense. The Kohen Gadol burns incense there, uh, both uh, morning and evening. It's not a place for animal sacrifices. Um, uh, but on Yom Kippur, there is a special atonement that is made. Uh, in other words, some blood of the um, of the korbanot of Yom Kippur are placed on the horns of that altar, but it's not a place to sacrifice the animals. But there is a place on Yom Kippur. There is a time on Yom Kippur when some of the blood of the Yom Kippur sacrifices are offered there, and uh, that essentially uh, brings to an end the description of uh, of the building of the Mishkan and. Uh, the Kohanim. There will be more about this uh, in uh, in the next parsha. Uh, but now let's look a little bit more closely at the uh, the way that the meil was made. The meil, the robe, uh, has all along the hem uh, alternating uh, pomegranates or something in the shape of a pomegranate. They're blue, purple, crimson. And they go all around the hem, and there are bells of gold um, between them, according to some inside the pomegranates. But there's a bell and a pomegranate all the way around. And Aharon is, is to wear them, to wear the me'il when he uh, goes into the, uh, in the, the holy place. And um, the effect of having those bells is that when he comes into the sanctuary, uh, he will be heard, the sound of it will be heard uh, before Hashem. And the Torah concludes by saying, Velo uh, yamut, that he may not die. Uh, what exactly is, uh, is the function of, these, uh, of this sound? So Rabbeinu Bachia uh, talks about this and says, uh, gives a number of different approaches to the function of making these uh, bells or producing this sound. He starts off by saying that when the Kohen Gadol uh, goes into the uh, holy place, uh, there's a sound that is produced by the, by the bells. Um, and uh, the first lesson that Rabbeinu Bachia says that this is a lesson in Derech Eretz, in proper manners. Uh, when a person is going to go into the to have an audience with a king or some other really important person, he doesn't just walk in. He uh, does something in order to um, notify, let's say, the king uh, that he would like to come in. So what does one do? One knocks on the door. Um, so Aaron would be making this uh, sound uh, as a way of uh, announcing, it's just proper behavior, that he, in, uh, he has the intention to come in. Uh, and this is, uh, this is a lesson in, in proper behavior. One should, uh, one should knock even on one's own house before, uh, before coming in. Uh, certainly what is appropriate for a king should be appropriate for, uh, for Hashem. Uh, it's not proper to arrive unannounced, as we see in the case of uh, Esther, uh, when she says that uh, someone who just goes into the king's uh, chamber um, without having been summoned uh, is uh, is taking his life in his own uh, in his own hands. So when the Kohen Gadol enters the sanctuary, he has to give uh, notice. But the second reason the Rabbi Nubachia says is. Um, 
that the angels usually occupy this space, and the Kohen Gadol does not want the angels to interfere uh, with uh, between himself and uh, and Hashem. They might, uh, uh, I don't know if we should use the word jealous, be jealous, but something along those lines that the angels might try to uh, stop. Now, Hashem is fully aware that the people, uh, that the one who is coming in, the Kohen Gadol, uh, has every right to be in there, and he's doing what he's supposed to rule, but it's, uh, he's supposed to enter, but still, um, rules of, uh, of etiquette, uh, still apply. If he, uh, if he would have entered unannounced, uh, the angels might have harmed him, um, because the angels are there to protect the, the glory and the, uh, and the honor of Hashem, uh, so it's to notify the angels. Uh, so that's what uh, what the Torah could be meaning when it says, you know, yamut, so that he will not die. Rabbi Bashi goes on to say that the, the sound of the bell is not really for the benefit of the of the Shechina or even the angels. Um, it was there as a, uh, a warning to the uh, to the angels that the Kohen Gadol wanted to have privacy in his audience with the the Shechina. Um, and of course, uh, this means that he's going to uh, communicate directly with Hashem, which is what our tefillah, what our prayer is. Uh, at the end of his service, the um, the sound of the Kohen Gadol uh, would uh, warn everyone that he is about to uh, he's about to leave, and. Uh, and this is also uh, this is also important. Um, Rabbi Bachia makes reference to the uh, to Yechezkel's vision that uh, in the beginning of Yechezkel, where uh, the the, pro- the prophet has a, a vision of uh, uh, of something that has uh, various faces, and one of the faces is human. Uh, so the the angels might uh, regard the human as a, as an intruder. So, the Kohen Gadol is instructed to make sure that his approach would be heard by means of the bell. Um, and, um, and in this way, he will be safe. Uh, Rabbeinu Bachek concludes by saying what we, that we, what we just said here is only true during the course of the year. Um, but Yom Kippur is different because when the, when, um, on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol uh, reaches a, a, a level uh, similar to the angels themselves. And uh, that is one of the reasons, says Rabbi Nebachia, that on, on Yom Kippur, when he does enter the Holy of Holies, the Kodesh HaKodeshim, he is not wearing the Me'il. As a matter of fact, he's not wearing any of the garments that contain gold. He only wears the four garments that are made of linen. Uh, because... Uh, Rabbi Nubachi is saying that it is not necessary for him to announce his uh, approach uh, to uh, keep him safe from the angels because in a sense on Yom Kippur the Kohen Gadol is one of the angels himself. I thank you very much for joining me in this uh, exploration of Parashat Titzaveh. This has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher for Parashat Highlights and Insights saying Shalom. Shalom.